correct? Okay, and I've been praying for a whole week about that. I, I sent your dad a, a text there. I, um, but uh, she, when was that funeral? Is that coming up? Or? I haven't heard anything. You haven't heard any news yet? Right. Okay. So uh, I know Margaret tried to witness to her. She said many times, and she was not saved, right? So that's a very sad thing. So you pray for Margaret as she mourns the loss of her sister, who she tried to witness to, all right? And uh, many times, I, I would assume, many times. So um, that's a difficult thing to take, a difficult thing to deal with. So you continue to pray. And then my, my aunt died this week. Uh, I found that out three days ago. My Aunt Donna, she died. Uh, I think it was Thursday, Friday. I can't remember now. All the days are run together because I'm not sleeping that much. But anyway, <laughs> in, between, in between naps, I keep forgetting uh, but, uh, what, those, what those times are. But uh, anyway, she passed away, uh, and she was 80. So, um, but uh, I think she probably made a profession of faith, but I have no idea. There wasn't a lot of fruit in her life. Uh, to tell, you know, whether she was or not. But, uh, and then Grandma Peggy made it through her surgery. Uh, good. Praise the Lord for that. They removed, uh, I think it was in her colon, was that correct? They removed those and uh, the, the spots that were there they were concerned about, and they, I think she's just recovering now. So uh, it looks to be that she's okay. And uh, Hannah is continuing to get stronger and recover, and she'll be back here next week, Lord willing. So uh, baby's doing good, and uh, all that good stuff. So keep praying for us there and uh, all those things. And then obviously this Saturday we're back to preaching again. I think it's three weeks in a row. Uh, we got a lot of preaching to do. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get back out, man. <laughs> so ready to go preach, amen. So let's uh, be ready for that here. Uh, we'll get you times here closer. We'll figure those out, what those are. We'll, we'll be at the zombie pub crawl. Garrick, you ever been to one of those? I think you were like 14, weren't you? I don't know. But, uh, have you? Okay. You get, third time you get a badge. Huh? It's like it's called the zombie badge. You get one of those, we put it. All right. <laughs> I'll get you a zombie badge. <laughs> but anyway, it's, uh, yeah, we've been to a few of them, haven't we? But uh, anyway, they need the gospel, so we're going to go preach to them, amen, and, and the, at the Halloween capital of the world. Hard to believe, isn't it? If you're going to be known for something, you've got to be known for that. Anyway. All right, Proverbs chapter 1, we are going to talk about wisdom's, we're going to continue to talk about wisdom's cry and wisdom's uh, speech of reproof. Uh, so important. We're going to, but I, I want to talk to you a little bit in verse 22. Uh, we're going we're gonna to read verse 22, and then we're going to get into the reproof and verse 23. But just some things to break down uh, the groups that are spoken of and just a few comments about that. And I think it applies, it can apply to anyone. It can apply to anyone in this room or anyone that uh, needs it. Uh, but these different, there, there's a few groups that are mentioned here that are important to understand. I was reading my Bible in my devotions this morning in Proverbs 8. And there's a lot, wisdom speaks a lot in Proverbs 8 as well. There's a lot of sermon uh, there. We'll, we'll be going through Proverbs 8 too and talking about those things. And uh, these are good things. That's why the, you know, people have, have rightly called these books the wisdom books or the books of wisdom because they really are Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon and, and uh, Proverbs here and a few of those others. They are books of wisdom that God, people say, well, I, I need to know how to live my life. Well, God shows you right here 
I need to know how to raise children. I need to know how to live, what principles I'm to live by and everything else. Well, God has them right here. All of it's in his word. All of it for you to be able to follow is in, is in his word. How to raise our children, how to, how to love one another, how to be a good husband or a good wife, and, and all of those things, are, and, and how to be a child that honors God and honors their parents, and all those things. Uh, they're all there. It's all there in the Bible. And you and I need to just follow the scriptures and just kind of slow down and, and study them and learn. And this is what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this. Uh, the scorners, the fools, and the simple ones who will not receive reproof. A very dangerous place to be. If you cannot accept reproof and be taught from the scriptures, if you cannot be, you're in a dangerous spot. Wherever you're at, even as a Christian or a lost person, if you ever become brutish or beastly and hard-hearted and will not listen to instructions and will not uh, let... Uh, the, the word of the Lord teach you and guide you and direct you and, and, and your instructors that God has given you. And things, it's, it's a very dangerous place to be. And if you, if you follow down that road, it's, it won't end well. It never does. So we, we need to kind of look at that here today. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity and scorners delight in their scorning? And fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have said it not all my counsel. And would none of my reproof. Now that's probably as far as we're going to get today is with those. And maybe we won't get all the way through those today, but that's okay. Because I'm going to talk to you later on, if not next week, the week after, Lord willing, about uh, prayers from hell. I want to preach a message to you called prayers from hell. Because there are prayers in hell that go unanswered. Right? And this shows you that after the judge, the sinner in eternity is different than the sinner in time. The sinner in time has the opportunity to repent. Sinners pray in hell, but they're never answered. You understand that? The Bible all over the place, right here in this text, shows you that after their life, when God laughs, when does God laugh at your calamity? Is it now? No. Right now is the time of murder. I will pour out my spirit unto you, he said. Amen. I, no, no, now's the time to receive reproof. Amen. It's when you draw your last breath and it's over, then, then the prayers from hell. God's not laughing at you now. God wants you to be saved now. Right. You understand that? That's not, he, it, this is the age, day and age of grace, right? Where God has grace for people. He has poured out his grace upon others to, to, for them to hear the gospel and to be saved. But after you draw your last breath, your prayers from hell are never answered. You can cry out all you want to from hell and it'll do you no good. That's why we cry into God now. That's why we seek his face now. We'll talk about that in a few weeks here. Prayers from hell, but uh, they're, they're real. You'll see it in the Bible that they're all over that. I never heard a preacher preach on that, so I thought I'd, I'd, I'd do it. Amen. Amen. 
They're not fun things to preach about, really. It's whew, hard, but very true, very necessary, very sobering. Right? Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your words. God, help us to receive the reproof we need, the instruction we need to grow thereby and the loss that they may be saved and the saved that they may be instructed not to walk as fools. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So he says, how long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? This first group is simple ones. They love simplicity. They're kind of ignorant, thoughtless, and inconsiderate. Who lightly pass on and are punished. Loving ease and not liking to be disturbed. They do not want to be disturbed from their pleasure seeking. And wisdom warns them. That is that group of simple ones that pass on and ignore the truth. That might, there, there are scores of people today that their consciences are disturbed by the truth, but never enough to repent and believe the gospel. They, just, they, they don't like it. They, it bothers them, but never enough for them to repent and to seek God's face because they want to go on in their sin. They want to live their own lives. This is a group of people called simple ones that have heard the truth. By the way, all of these people have heard the truth. These groups, they've all heard it. In these three groups that are here, each one is a different level, but they've all heard it. You, you see them. You see them when you preach on the streets. You hear their, their responses to you, right? Who'd have thought that there'd be so much in the book of Proverbs for us to use street preaching? But I mean, I'm telling you, it's applicable right there. We need to take this and we need to warn them with it. You warn them of their, you know, your prayers in hell will do you no good. You better repent now. Because you're going to cry out one day. But it may be too late. You're going to cry out from the depths of hell. The rich man did. What happened? Nope. God said no. Right? He lifted up his eyes in torment. What did he do? He prayed from hell. Anyway, I can't preach that message. That's for later. I'll keep going. Scorners delight in their scorning. They're not merely indifferent like the simple ones, but they go beyond and scorn what they have heard and been taught. They scoff at the lessons of God, and they ridicule the messages and the messengers of God. They sneer and mock His servants and His people. They make His word their book of jest, and His day their holiday. They have disdain for God's restraints. They laugh at his threatenings and they make fun of his warnings. They make sport of his terror. They take pleasure in what they should hate. They make light of what they should take seriously. They glory in their shame. They are like maniacs dancing in their chains. I'm going to say that to you again. They are like maniacs dancing in their chains. Haven't you seen them on the street when they're dancing and shouting their abortions? They're, they're maniacs dancing in the chains of their own slavery. Are they not? How they love death? We look at them, we're like, you people are insane. You're right. That preacher said it right. I, I took that from another preacher, by the way. I'm not ashamed of that. He said they're maniacs dancing in their chains. I thought it was so good. I was like, I'm going to use that. That is great. It's good stuff. That's what we're going to preach to them. You're a bunch of maniacs dancing in your chains and don't even know it. Amen. So we go to awake them out of their sleep. Amen. Don't you ever forget. That's what you're there to do. You are there to go preach the Bible to them and to wake them out of their sleep.
We aren't there to whisper sweet nothings to them so they land in hell. You are there to point your bony finger at them, lift up the word of God, and warn them you are maniacs dancing in your chains. And I refuse to make any of those people make me feel bad for it either. Or any of the brethren that don't like it either. Because they're too busy pontificating from their thrones in their palaces. They wouldn't want anybody to think of their image as being bad. Boy, I had one preacher tell me once, boy, that brother, that video made you look really bad. Sure it did. As you sit on your lofty throne, high and protected above in your church house where nobody's going to really, I mean, because we, we do things decently and in order, no one's going to shout you down. I mean, we're not going to do that. We do things right and proper, right? But out on the street, that's going to happen. You're never tested. Those preachers are never tested, right? So they get no sharp edge. They get no sharp edge because they're not tested. Right? Yeah, they do. So these are, they, they are those maniacs. They rejoice in every wicked thing that made all who love them weep in sorrow. There are people in this life that, that their family, like you, you have family members and I have family members that we weep in sorrow over their sin. It breaks our hearts and they're just laughing and having a good time. Right? They literally are those maniacs dancing in chains, right? That's who they are. And you're like, you're going to hell. You're, I mean, you're, you're doing everything that God hates. Aren't you afraid of that? Doesn't that bother you? Don't you have fear for that? And the third group are fools that hate knowledge. This is a special group of those who are young and have heard the truth and have been instructed by their parents and their church and then grow up and hate knowledge and instruction. They literally have been trained from their youth what is right and they grow up and they hate knowledge and instruction. They've been given much wisdom. You children, I've asked you this question before. I'll ask you again, will you grow up fools? Will you grow up to be fools? Will you ignore knowledge and instruction and wisdom that's been given to you? Will you grow up to be a fool? It's a good question, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm not just asking you I'm, or asking your parents. I'm asking my children as well. Will you grow up to be fools? Will you grow up to despise wisdom and knowledge and instruction? Will you go your own way and do your own thing that will lead to your demise? Will you? Will you grow up a fool? Amen. I, 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 I have no problem asking you that question because I care for your soul. You young people are going to come to a time where you get older and you, and you are coming to that time where you make decisions for yourselves and you make those decisions. Will you make them as a fool or will you make them according to what you've been taught and trained and, and prayed over and wept over and labored over? Or will you just become a fool? Well, you won't do it without warning. Amen. This special group, they've been given much wisdom. Let me ask you, will you ignore the wisdom and instruction that have been given to you? They're not ignorant of divine teachings. You understand that. Like these, these people in this group, they're not ignorant of divine teaching. They just decided to hate knowledge and instruction. See, so, but I, no, here's the thing. All right, when the Bible says hate, it doesn't, it, there's, there's a few different applications. It said he that hate not father and mother, right? That means like, 
God's not telling Emma to hate her dad and mom, okay? That's not what he's telling him to, her to do, right? He's not saying you ought to hate your dad and mom and love me. No, it means that you lo your love for God is to trump your love for your parents, right? Paul's love for God is to trump the love for his wife, right? My love for God is to trump that love that I have for my wife. Does that make me a worse husband? No, it makes me a better one. It, it, doesn't, it means that I'm faithful to God, so I'm going to be faithful to her. You see, it makes me a better husband. It makes you a better mom. When you look at your son and say, I'm not going to let you live like a devil. <laughs> I'm not going to let you go that way. You're not going to be a fool without a warning. You might end up a fool, but you ain't going to end up one without a warning. It ain't going to be laid at my charge. That's like Spurgeon's mom said, look, son, I love you, but I will. I, I, and I hate to testify against you in heaven when God throws you into hell, but I will. Amen. Man, that's rough. No, that's called love to God. That's what that's called. Amen. That's what that's called. It's called, don't ask me to love you over loving God. Amen. I hope I don't have to witness against you one day. <laughs> I don't want to, but I would. Amen. And we would as parents, as we raise you and love you, but we love God. And that love for God, it trumps all other love. It has to. I ha it has to. Amen. So the, the hate that it's talking about here is you loving your sin over knowledge and instruction. It's not saying, well, I hate the Bible. I don't like anything. No, it does mean a, a level of that, an element of that. It does mean that, okay? But what, it's, what, what God is driving home in this verse is that you hate wisdom and knowledge because you love the pleasures of wickedness more than God. And you're not willing to obey because if you love God, what does he say? You keep his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said, right? But see, they feel that all this, all this restraint is not befitting for them. Like, you're, you're just holding me back. All this stuff in the Bible, it's just holding me back from doing what I really want to do in life. Really? Because once you get saved by the grace of God, you know what you say about that? And it's protected me from everything. It's, it's, not, it's not holding me. Thank God he's held me back from things I've wanted in my life. Since I've been saved, thank God he's done that. He's shielded me from things. See, yeah, amen. You're, see, God is shielding you. You see it as, you see it as chains. No, 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 no. You should be seeing it as a shield. Amen. Protecting you from the fiery darts of the wicked. Again, like the, it's like the Lord's church. Is, it's, it's a castle. It's not a prison. It's not a dungeon. You're not locked in a dungeon. It's a garden enclosed. It's a beautiful, wonderful garden enclosed that God has given us. It's not a, it's not a dungeon with, with chains. You're not, you're not chained up, right? You're not, you're not, you're not locked here. Amen. 
It's a beautiful garden enclosed. And if you can't see that and don't value that, pray the Lord help you to do that. Because you love what God hates. And you hate what God loves. And that ought to bother you. Like that should keep you up at night. That should, that should give you no rest night and day if you love what God hates and you hate what God loves. If you despise God's word and God's protections for your life, that ought to bother you. You're a fool. It ought to bother you that you're a fool. It's hindering their liberty and what they wish to do with their lives. When you're young, I can understand an element of that because of rebellion. And all of us, I mean, we can understand a, rebellion, a rebellious nature. We can understand that fighting of, 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 of those things at times when we wrestle with the flesh. It happens to all of us. But when there is a constant desire uh, not to be with the people of God or not to follow the Lord and not to be obedient, that's a problem. It's a problem that you have to take up with God. No man can do anything for you. Only God can do that. Only the Lord can change your heart. Amen. See, in other words, you look at it as hindering your liberty and what you wish to do with your life. In other words, the, parent, the parental biblical wisdom that their parents, their church has given them is not acceptable to them. All it does is merely trouble their conscience but not impact on, has no impact on their conduct. They are fools that wish to walk after the imagination of their own hearts. They grow to hate the knowledge that interferes with their heart's desires to live the way they want to live. They sin against the true light that has been given to them and they are fools. I'll ask you again, are you fools, children? Are you, are you fools, adults, that you would hear the word of God and not submit to it? You know, I'll tell you something. As a pastor, I hear from people years later. Years later. By God's grace, I just keep doing the same thing. And they always seem to know where to come back to, to contact. By the grace of God, amen. But they, they, they come back and they... And, but they, they don't listen before it gets that far. I'm talking about real trouble. I'm not talking just leaving the church and going to a different church. I'm talking about just trouble, sin, right? Messing their marriage up, destroying their marriage. Their marriage is destroyed. And then they call me years later and say, can you help me? And I ain't heard from them in years. I had a call like that this week. I heard from them in years. I never thought I'd contact you again. Yep. Can you help? Yeah. Whatever I can do. Amen? Yeah. Whatever I can do. Wait, but look, but all this happened. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yep. Whatever I can do. Why? Well, because I meant it when I said I loved them and I watched amen. for their soul. I, I, I wasn't joking. I, did, I wasn't playing. I meant it. Amen. I'm, we're here to help people. We deny our flesh and we just help people. Amen. That's what we do. That's like if you have a son or a child that goes wayward and they could, Dad, can you help? You bet you can. That's the grace that God showed me. Amen. I'm going to show that same grace to others no matter what. And if I get stomped on, well, I'm just like my Lord. That's what will happen. 
But that comes with the territory, doesn't it? But we don't stop loving. Amen. We keep loving people and we keep helping them. Years later, though, years later, marriage in shambles, children involved. And I, all I can, and, and you, you, you got to understand, I can't, it's human nature also. It's part of it. It's just like, but part of me is like, well, why didn't you listen? Why didn't you just listen? Why wouldn't you listen? Now it's ugly. Now it's real ugly. Now it's real damaging. And sometimes it's past the point of no return with them. And, and it's like, well, how do I pick up the pieces and clean up the mess? So we don't just, I don't just stand up here and do what I do and, and try to help people. We don't do that. We, we're like, just for like, just say things for fun. Like, I, I try to warn you before it happens so it doesn't get to that point. That's why I earnestly, I plead with you and I beg you to listen. And I preach to you and I, I because I know what happens on the other side. I've watched it. I see it and I don't want you to go through it. I don't want you to ruin things and be like, now can we fix it? Or what do I do now? How do I? It's sad, but it happens. It happens. The Bible speaks of that, but, but you know what most of it is? Is not receiving reproof. Wouldn't listen to it. Wouldn't hear it. Which is what we're going to talk about the next verse here. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Wisdom speaks with reproof. The Bible says that reproofs are the instruction. Like, look at Proverbs 6.23. Proverbs 6.23. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light. That's the word of God. That's what it's speaking of. At this time... Obviously, it was the Old Testament, but now it's the whole book, right, that we have, that God gives us. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. All of your Christian life, you are going to be reproved. I'm going to be reproved. God's Word, the light, the law of God, the light of God, is going to shine in and God is going to show us when we are wrong about something. When we have to get right about something. When we have to change something in our lives. Someone's going to preach the word of God. That's going to happen. You're going to be instructed and you're going to be like, well, I got to get that right. I got to change that. It's this life that we live. What does that word reproof mean? It means to blame, blame expressed to the face. Censure for a fault. Reprehension. Blame cast. Censure directed to a person. It's being corrected. Part of the Christian life is being corrected. We have not arrived at heaven. We still battle a fallen nature. We still have to be corrected. 
None of us have got, gotten so far and been saved so long on this side that we, are with, we, don't, we have no need for correction. All of us need correction. All of us get correction. Right? All of us need it. There's never a time when we've, in this life, that you and I have arrived and said, well, I don't need reproof anymore. I know what I'm doing. Job 26, 11, the pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. Are you? That's not part of the verse. I'm asking you that question, right? I better, right? I better, better, I better make sure that make that clear. You're going to look it up like, what? That's it. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his reproof. Are you? Astonished. Are you the pillars of heaven tremble? Do you tremble at God's word? Do you tremble at it if you're wrong? Is your heart broken? Or are, you, are you convicted over that? Or are you reproved over that? You ought to be. I ought to be. Proverbs 5.12 And say, how have I hated instruction? And my heart despised Reproof. Does your heart despise reproof? If your father or your mother or your pastor or your brother in Christ or your mom or whoever uh, shows you where you're wrong and you're going the wrong, do you despise that? Do you think very little of that instruction and correction? When you're shown that you're wrong, If you want wisdom, the Bible says that people that are wise receive reproof. But fools, they despise wisdom and instruction. They just can't hear it. How have I, how have I hated instruction in my heart, despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me? Well, this person was in the assembly. Look what it says here. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. That's somebody in church, right? We know that Old Testament, New Testament here is the church, right? In the assembly, that's who we are. We're a called out assembly, right? That's, he was almost in all evil right in the midst of the assembly, he said. What's that, brother? Right, right. Yeah. Amen. I was almost in all evil. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. They wouldn't listen. Is that you, young man? Are you stubborn? Are you acting like a stubborn fool? Young lady, are you acting like a stubborn fool? Wife, husband? All of us. What are, are you acting like a stubborn fool? Won't listen to instruction? Won't take the guidance that you're given? It's so odd when you hear from some people like that years later when real sin hits their family and their home and their marriage and everything else like that. You listen to it. And it could have been avoided much of it. But if you don't want to receive wisdom and instruction, you won't and there ain't nobody that can make you either. 
Proverbs 10, 17, he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. Here's the book. Here's the instructions, right? Here's what a father and a mother and, and, and we're supposed to teach our children. And we're supposed to live by, by the instructions that a pastor is supposed to preach by these instructions that are here. That, these are, this is the way of life, to walk with God. This is the way you walk with God. The gospel is how you're saved. The Bible is how you walk with God. Amen. This, th these instructions, the way of life, right? This is the way to, way, uh, to walk with the Lord. Proverbs 12.1. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge. But he that hateth reproof is brutish. I don't want nobody to tell me I'm wrong. Well, I do if I'm wrong. I want to know if I'm wrong. I want to know if I'm doing something wrong, don't you? I mean, sometimes we get a little ornery, don't we? <laughs> you know, we, don't, we don't want somebody telling us that we're wrong. But you know what? Afterwards, we thank God for it, don't Amen. we? Man, I'm glad somebody said something to me. That's right. I need to hear it. Amen? You better think about that. Because see, as you young people, as you get older, you're, you know, you're going to be making some decisions. You're going to be doing some things. You're going to be like, you need to ask your parents, man, dad, what do you think about this? Mom, what do you think about yeah. this? Right. Oh, I got it all figured out. Really? Because I don't. I'm 46 and I don't have it all figured out. I mean, when I pray to God, a lot of times I pray to God, God I don't know what I'm doing. That's right. yeah. Come on, I don't have any idea what I'm doing. What in the world am I going to do? Right? The longer you're saved, the closer you do. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. That's right. I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. Problem comes up in the family with children or that you're like, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Proverbs 15, 5. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. He's wise, circumspect. He that regardeth reproof. When you say, but by the way, fathers and mothers, that means you've got to give it. If you see your children doing something that's not right, if you see them going in a direction that's not right, it, you need to take the Bible and reprove them. You have a responsibility to take the Bible and reprove them. Not let them go their own way. Not let them do their own thing. Well, they, they hit a magic number of 18. Man, I don't care what that number is. Amen. I don't care what the, the United States government says somebody's an adult. Like I told my, if you decide to rebel against me, yeah, you get a certain, there ain't nothing I can do, uh, earthly speaking. But I know one thing, God answers my prayers. I do know that. I do know where I can go to get things done. I do. And I assure you, I will make it my life's work. Amen. I will not stop. Amen. 
But I, I realize that. But you know what? You teach your children. By the way, your children turn to a certain age and you have restraints on them and, and, and things on them. They ought to respect what you tell them in, the, in your home. They ought to respect you until, you, until they're out of your home and they're, they're on their own and, and they're, they're married or whatever the case may be. And then they still ought to ask you for advice. Dad, Mom, what do you think? They don't, you say, I don't have to do that. Yeah, I know. You, I didn't say you had to do it. I said you should do it. They've been around a little bit. They've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> what does that mean that they made a lot of mistakes? Well, they know the ones you better not make. That's right. So you should ask them. <laughs> You should ask him before you do that. Like, man, I, I can tell you from my mistakes. Don't do that. <laughs> right? They, they can tell you that. You can say, well, they made those mistakes. Yeah, I know. They don't want you to make them. So listen. Learn from them. Amen. Learn from them. Ask. Amen. That's why God gave you parents that are walking with God. He gave them to you for, for instruction. But a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Verse number 10 of that same chapter says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way. Oh, it's grievous for them to hear correction. They, they won't hear it. Many people, when they become brutish like that, they become foolish like that, they will not hear it. They, hard, they stiffen their neck and harden their heart. A fool despiseth, Right? Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Hmm. Verse 31, the ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Do you hear it? Do you listen to it? Do you listen to reproof and instruction when it's given to you? Verse number 32 says, He that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. By the way, the last time this word is used, reproof, in the, in the, in the King James Bible is the final authority on reproof. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, number one, for doctrine. Number two, it says for reproof. This book, this shows you that you will need the reproof from this book until you go home to be with the Lord. And that this is the only book that will perfect you. Amen. That's it. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction. To be corrected when you're wrong. To correct your way. Maybe sometimes you get off a little bit to the right or the left. You have to be corrected. I have to be corrected. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Perfect. Matured grown in the faith, truly furnished and do all good works. That's the Christian life. That's what God wants. God wants your perfection, your maturity in the faith for you to grow. 
for not to be so you not be all, all the time and forever children tossed to and fro right but to be stable established stable children of God not unstable as water amen lives that are unstable and he, I'm talking about in the church because he talks about warn right you're to warn the unruly right Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak. Those are the types of people you have in your church. Unruly people. Sometimes they're unruly. They're not stable. They're all over the board. Lack of stability. Can't continue on faithfully. Stable. Our homes, our marriages, our families should be the most stable families in the world. Do you understand that? They should be the most stable in the world. Now, we can't control everything that happens, obviously. But we can make good decisions and we can do right. By God's grace, we can follow the scriptures. We can be instructed and we can raise a godly seed because God promised it in his word. And yes, people, children may rebel, that doesn't change the fact that our homes still should be the most stable and godly homes in the world. They should be. And there's no excuse for them not to be. Amen. There's no excuse for them not to be. That's the last time the word reproof is used in conjunction with, and it's in conjunction with God's word. Because this is the book of reproof. It's the book that teaches us reproof all the days of our Christian life. Wisdom speaks in God's word and shows us that we will need reproved our whole Christian walk. In this world, reproofs and instructions are the way of life. Preachers are to reprove and rebuke. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says in, in verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We're to reprove, we're to rebuke, were to exhort. But he, notice he, he lists the reprove and the rebuke first. Why? Because we all need a lot of correction. That's why. Amen. We all need it. And if we need it, then God puts it twice there, that reprove and rebuke, which are two similar words, right? He puts it there twice. <laughs> he only uses exhort one time there, right? That's exhorting or encouraging, right? But he uses reprove and rebuke twice, right? That's, that's on purpose because that's what you and I need. We, we live in a world that caters to our flesh and caters to the beastly lusts and flesh of, and, and the things of this life, the passions of this life. 
the, you don't have to go very far to find somebody that will pamper your flesh, that will encourage your, your indulgences into sin and wickedness. You, like, you don't have to go any, I mean, people are paid. They, they, they have establishments and businesses, just like they did back in, the, in uh, the times of the apostles. They have establishments and businesses to cater to everything. Your cell phone caters to all the pornography and all the wicked things that you could possibly want at the touch of your hand right there. It is right there at your laptop, at your computer, at your, at your cell phone right there. You don't have to go to a, a, a strip club anymore and your car be seen. You can go hide out in your, in your bedroom and you can watch that if you choose to and you can defile yourself with that very simply and very easily right there. Amen. I'm just being real with you. I'm telling you the truth. That's the way it is. You have access to all over the world and every wicked and vile sight on the, in the world. Millions of them at your fingertips. Nothing can, I mean, if any of us want to live like that, no man can find, I mean, we could hide it for as long as the Lord allows it to be hidden right? It's definitely possible to live your life like that till God deals with you. But it's, it's, it's there. It's at your fingertips. It's at your, it's, it's right. So this world caters to that. That's why you and I need constant reproving and rebuking. We need the constant accountability of the local New Testament church. Why? Because iron sharpens iron and you have to look your brother in the face. Amen. You have to look your brother in the face. You have to look your sister in the face. You have to, you, you have to be around other godly people. I had a guy that was in this church and he left this church because um, he was a wicked devil. But anyway, but, but he hid his sin very well for a while and he, and he covered up and he made excuses. And he told me one time, and I didn't know what he meant by that because I didn't know, I didn't understand the, the full. He goes, you know, you're kind of a hard guy to be around when someone's not right with God. That's what he said to me. Now he was admitting that he wasn't that he was not living right, right? And he was then later found out, yep, stuck in pornography. His wife's asleep in bed and he's up all night watching pornography. Get up out on the street and go preach out on the streets and go correct every other man and Act like he was God's gift to the church. Right? And he was living wicked the whole time. Right? But he couldn't receive instruction or reproof or correction either. Didn't want it. Didn't want it, right? So that's why you and I need it, because this world bombards us with sin. And we have to and, and the scriptures and the preaching of God's word in the assembly and the, the accountability one for another, it keeps us walking the straight and narrow by God's grace. That's why God that's what God uses as the church. To come together. That's, that's why we have to all look at each other in the face. We have to all deal with each other. We have to all be around each other. God's spirit is present with us, right? Amen. So a preacher's duty is to take the book and to preach it. Titus 
He says at the end of the chapter, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. You preach it. You exhort them. You rebuke them with all authority and let no man despise thee. You just continue on. Amen. That Titus 2 is where he's talking about the, the, the men being sound, the women being sound, keepers at home, sound speech, exhorting the servants, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing, amen, of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's the gospel. And you preach all these things and you set the order in all those things through the scriptures and you preach them with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And that rebuke is a part of that. That reproof is a part of that. It's a very important part of it. Because we all need corrected in life. Receiving reproof is necessary. The preaching of it is necessary both to turn men from their sins and to keep them in the way of truth. Such reproof is despised, says one, by those who are committed to contemporary philosophy of church growth. The emergent church. Right? The popular pop culture Christianity today. They want sinners to dance and they want them to dance to their music. They want to entertain them with clever sermons. They want them to be impressed with their social work and feel non-threatened when they come to church. So they're non-threatened. So you feel really... Really? I never got right until I was threatened. <laughs> I, never got, I never got saved until I was threatened, man. That old preacher preached that message, man. And he didn't threaten my physical. I'm not talking about physical. I'm not spiritually. That old man preached the gospel. Man, it threatened me. I ain't kidding you, man. I, I really believe this. It scared the hell right out of me. I, I really, I'm not using that loose. I'm dead serious. When you're lost, your whole heart is full of hell. You are on your way to hell. And you got hell up in you everywhere. You are just a walking little devil is what you are. Of, uh, you know, uh, lost, wicked sinner on your way to hell. Acting like the devil. You got the spirit of the devil in you, the Bible says. God looked at, Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee hence, Satan, or get behind me, Satan. <laughs> What's that? You think you're pretty good. No, I thought I was pretty good. I was doing all right. Till that day that old man preached that sermon. I was like, whoo. And God, the Holy Ghost drove it home to me and said, he's talking about you. I thought he was talking about the guy next to me. <laughs> he's talking to you. I didn't see anybody else, man. Honestly, in all truth, I was joking about that. But I didn't see anybody else. I, all I saw was me and that man preaching to me. That's God showing me. Yep, you're lost. That's you. Because I believe what the scriptures say. No change, no salvation. I, I, I just, you, God changes men. You, you could, you're here today as living proof of that. If God doesn't change people, he'd still be sucking on a bottle, right? Or dead, right? No, it's a salvation that works. It's a grace 
It's all, like I talked about on Wednesday, it's all grace. It's God's work. Works come after you're saved. They're the fruit of salvation. The root of it is Jesus saving your rotten soul. It is the gospel, period. But if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. It took me years. Somebody finally, they asked me one time, well, what's your life verse? It took me a while to think about that because I didn't really have one at that time until that one came around and God showed me, that's your life verse right there. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You know that because that was my conversion experience. That's what happened to me. That's what God did, right? That's, the, that's evidence of the grace of God, that's right. right? God changes people. If he didn't, none of us would be here. Why, why would we be? There'd be no church, by the way, because what do you need a church for if God doesn't change people? <laughs> right? You don't need baptism. You don't need the ordinances. You don't need offices. You don't need anything, right? If God doesn't change people, these jokers. By the way, a sad thing. Stephen Anderson, he's preaching all this junk and out there preaching all this, the, the way that he preaches. All this. His son's a, an avowed Nazi. Now, I'm not happy about that. I'm not bragging about her or anything like that, but he's public about it. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, a lot of hate for Israel, a lot of weird things. People's, I'll tell you what, people's minds get, when, when I hear preachers talk about Israel and they get this like, this like, they get this weird like anger about it and they talk about it and, and a lot of them are reformers by the way and they get this kind of weird oh, they just they get weird about it well i every time i've ever watched that the, the fruit of that is always bad like tex mars is the same way just weird man talking about it talking about it, and i'm like oh man it never works out good for them ever i always see it like it just like because i just it's so easy for me because I read the, the book of Romans where Paul says how to treat the Jews. But they're unbelievers. They're the, yeah, I know they're all those things, but Paul told you what to do. Yeah, that's right. And, and it says that uh, God is able to graft them in, right? And he's going to. I, just, I don't like that stuff, man. I stay away from that. I, 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 I've seen all these people and... Yeah, it is dangerous because it's wrong. It's not correct biblically. And you don't treat people like that. That's how Rome treated them. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I, I walk away from those people like, no, nah, I have nothing to do with you. You guys are nuts. I always thought they were crazy because I just read the Bible. I just read what Paul said, how to treat them. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. Right? Paul, Paul gave us instructions of how to deal with the Jews and how to deal with Israel and how to deal and what you're how you're supposed to treat them and those same people they don't like Paul's they don't like Paul's epistles either. I just I don't know how they come up with that man they got some jargon they come up with though they got some good jargon man they like rolling the dice they're like it's like they've been drinking a fifth of Jack I don't know but they come up with some crazy stuff man that they're like see that 12 tribes of Israel need in the in Revelation it's not really the 12 tribes because like how is how are 12,000 of each tribe going to be found I don't know the same way God found you I don't know I mean I mean how did the same way he took the exodus and he brought them out of Egypt like like that like how did God get all those people out of Egypt how could God bring the plagues down and they didn't get hit? How could God do it? Same way he's going to call out 12,000 out of each one of them tribes. 
the same exact way. And I believe it. You can't, you can't talk me out of it. I just, I just see it in the script. I'm like, I just, I just believe it. I believe what his book says. See, I wasn't going to preach on Israel today. I don't know how I got on that. But anyway, uh, but, but it's true. It's right there, okay? But here's somebody that can't receive reproof. He could, Anderson couldn't receive any reproof about any of that stuff. People tried to show him, begged him to listen to it. Because the guy has a lot of good things, actually. But it's those glaring things right there that, man, now, now your son's like a, a Nazi, really? Like, mm, bad stuff, man. Bad stuff. That's what hate for any. That's why you can't hate anybody. We don't hate LGBTQ people. That's why I told them they could be saved. He says they're all reprobates and they can't be saved. No, they're not. God can save anybody he wants to. They're, oh, they're, they can't be saved. They've gone too far. Really? You know that, huh? You know how far somebody can go? Yeah, it's called they don't have any breath left in their lungs. Because God says preach to them. Wisdom cries out until they're dead. Amen. That's what we're to do. That's what we do. That's what we believe. If I didn't believe it, man, I couldn't preach it. You believe God can save those hellbound, wicked perverts? Yeah, He saved me. Amen. Sure, <laughs> save me. Yeah, we'll preach to him. We'll show him. We'll show him what God says. So, see, they want to non-threaten, though. They, they, people don't want rebuke today. That's not the Bible way, though. The Bible way is to plainly rebuke the sinner's sin, so that he'll be convicted. He'll be. He'll, he'll know that he's guilty before God. I've heard people say, well, I don't feel guilty. The Bible never tells you to feel guilty. It says you are guilty. Right. You understand that? Like if somebody tells me, well, I don't feel guilty. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Because judicially speaking, you are guilty. <laughs> right? You now, I believe God's going to let you know what that's like. You're going to, it's going to, you're going to see your own guilt before God. But when somebody, when somebody doesn't feel guilty, well, okay. But I just want you to know that you are guilty. Because that's like you stand before a judge. You say, you know, judge, I know I stole this, but I don't feel guilty. Yeah, that's good. But you're still going to jail. I mean, you're still going to pay a fine. Well, I don't, you are guilty. Feeling something or not feeling something doesn't negate the responsibility of the, uh, of the crime. You don't get to say, well, I'm not, I didn't feel it, so therefore it's okay. What are you, Shakespeare? Doesn't matter what you feel, you are, and that ought to bother you. God says you're guilty. And that's why reproof and rebuke is given, because God says you're guilty. Amen. When we're guilty, when we're wrong about something, don't wait for, I got to wait till I feel really bad about it. No, you don't. You better get right with God. <laughs> Look, you don't, <laughs> you need to read the scriptures and obey the scriptures. You start messing around with wait until you feel a certain thing. Yeah, God's going to bring you sorrow. If you don't have any sorrow for your sin at all, you got a problem. So you need to ask God why. Lord, why don't I sorrow over my sin? And I don't mean the sorrow of this world that worketh death. I mean godly sorrow that leads you to repentance. You want to know why people repent? God's people repent? They see they've sinned. And it bothers them. And they say, Lord, 
I was wrong. Forgive me. Why? That's godly sorrow that worketh repentance, not to be repented of. I go to God to get forgiveness. Why? Because it's godly sorrow. You can't manufacture godly sorrow. If you don't have it, you can ask God for it. Did you hear me? There's people that argue who's elect, who's not elect, who's this, who's that. Hey, why don't you just ask God for it? <laughs> why don't you just ask God? Lord, grant me repentance and faith. Right? I mean, I believe God will do it, don't you? I believe he'll do it. I believe the scriptures. God, ask him. Right? Ask him. Lord, I don't seem to have enough repentance. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you're measuring that on, but just ask God for it. He'll give it to you. God, make my heart sorrow over my sin. Don't ask that too much. You won't be able to handle it. Amen. Yeah. Reproof and, and, and rebuke is necessary. How long have we been going, Andrew? We've been going an hour. Check the clock here. I gotta. Paul don't have a stopwatch out, so I'm not in trouble at all. He's still he's still got his Bible out, so we're good. It does. That's right. Hey, Amen. That's right. That's right. It's double time and a half on Sunday. That's all I know. Why do you think I'm running the clock out? David. About an hour? I kind of want to keep going. I think I'm going to. I'm going to keep going here. Wisdom promises. Uh, we'll have one more point here because I like this and it's, it's good to finish up with this with reproof. Wisdom promises enlightenment to those who turn. Do you know that if you, if you listen to God's reproof, he'll open up your eyes and understanding to more from his word? He will. Many people walk. I'm talking about Christians now. I'm not talking about lost people, but God will also a lost person if, if they obey him and they repent and they ask God to tender their heart and to give them sorrow and to help them with, the, you know, and to show them Christ, show them salvation, show them their need for Jesus. Show, God will do that. He will. He will. That's God's promise. Amen. There isn't any man that sought after Christ that he did not reveal himself to him. And I say that on the authority of this book because God promises that those that seek him, they shall be found of him. We'll get to those verses here in a second. But in Proverbs chapter 1, let me get back here. Verse number 23, Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. If you turn at God's reproof, you don't have to walk in confusion. Say, I don't know what to do about certain situations. Well, have you listened to instruction? Have you taken reproof? Or have you ignored it and tried to say, well, I'll figure it out? Well, maybe you're not receiving the instruction that you've been given. Because God says that if you turn at his reproof, he'll pour out his spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. Look at that. You want to know why God shows simple men how to preach this book right here and gives them power to do it? Because they turn it as reproof and they said, yep, this is God's word and it's perfect. And there ain't an error in this. So what does he do? 
Well, he shows them what they need. He gives them what they need for their life. He, he gives them everything, they, and he, he opens up his words to them, and they understand it. You know, who, you know, you know the people that don't know God's word very well? They're, they're still searching around in Greek and Hebrew and all these other languages, and they're correcting God's word with it, and they don't know. And by the way, you see these same people don't know how to walk with God. They got tattoos all over. They're drinking booze. They're having, they're having parties. They're, they're getting along with the world, and the world loves them, and they have their debates. And, the, and what's, that, what's that fruity pastor's name, that weirdo, Jeff uh, Durbin, the, the liquor drinker, and, and hangs out with the Bible corrector, um, James White? Isn't he married to his daughter or something, James, or something like that? One of those two? Yeah, he's a member of that church. Yeah, James White's a member of Jeff Durbin's church. Yeah, so they're all drinking booze and tattoos. I did a broadcast on it called Booze and Tattoos once, and uh, I just nailed them out. I don't think any of those people are saved. Well, well, they don't have a Bible. And now, you could be wrong about the King James Bible and still be a Christian, but I'll tell you what, when your life looks like hell and you hate God's word, I have to wonder whether you're a Christian or not. I'm like, well, you're not getting something, right? You're not getting something. Because simple people take this book right here and they read it and they're like, I ain't supposed to be drinking booze and partying, tattooing my life. I'm not supposed to be doing that. Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to live my life like that. That's, I mean, that's just plain in this whole, oh, but that's too plain. That's in the English. I got to go for the Greek and see if I can find some sin to live in. Right? Is that pretty close? Yeah, my intellect. I'll worship my own intellect and I'll just, why? Because it's kind of confusing in the plain English right here. Ah, it is, huh? Not to make marks upon your flesh and all this is real confusing. <laughs> you know, not to drink booze and, and uh, it's not four kings. Old mule, it's not four kings. Right, right. New wine is found in the cluster, right? All that's real hard to understand. You, I need some Greek to help me out with that. I'm a little confused. Maybe you can grab the Greek and figure out how I can snort Coke and do acid. And, you know, because it's probably in the Greek somewhere. I could probably figure it out. Of course it's not, but I could make an excuse, and I could use, like, flowery language and speeches and all kinds of stuff to make, it, make myself sound more intelligent. Say, well, you know, I don't know if God's really against drinking. I mean, he's against getting drunk. Well, how many of those cause you to get drunk? I mean, how many, how many of those change your mind and your thought process? What's that? You don't, you don't think Hennessy's clusters? I, I, don't, I don't think it is either. Yeah, I don't think it is either, but they do. Look, 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 when men respond to the light they have, they receive more light. Look at Proverbs 8, 17. Look what God says here. You want to know a fool? It's somebody that doesn't receive reproof, doesn't accept it, and they have no light. It's like they have no light from God. You look at them and you're like, why do these people do this? They've rejected instruction. Proverbs 8, 17. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. God says if, if you love wisdom from him, then he's going to give you more wisdom. That's right. Jeremiah 29, 13. Wise men seek God and fools don't. Proverbs, or excuse me, Jeremiah 29, 13. Verse 12 says, Then shall, they, shall you call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, 
and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again to the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now, we understand that's talking about Israel. <laughs> God's going to do that, isn't he? But we also understand there's a principle here. Sinners are captive by Satan, right? So what happens? When you turn to the Lord, he'll be found of you. And he'll release you from captivity. Jesus said, if the Son of Man shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. How are you freed from captivity? By Jesus Christ. By searching for him. Right? He's already paid it all. But you have to search for him, he said. How about Cornelius? What happened to him? He started out with some light, didn't he? He had a little bit of light. He loved the Lord, but he didn't know the gospel. Well, what happened? God sent Peter. God sent an angel. And then God sent Peter and said, Peter, go. Go preach to Cornelius. Go preach to him. So Peter was the first to go preach to the Gentiles, right? He went and preached to a Gentile. That didn't go well with the Jews. They didn't like that very much, <laughs> right? Peter got a little squeamish about that later, didn't he? He's like, man, they're kind of... They're kind of mad at me. There was a certain man of Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So what happened? He had some light. He followed the light. He, he obeyed God. And what did God do? It gave him more light. Sent the gospel to him. Sent Peter with the gospel to him to preach. If you'll obey the Lord, he, he'll make your paths straight. You'll, you'll understand what it is God wants you to do. But if you deny him, if you don't obey him, then you're, you'll be cut off from that light. It'll get dark. When Rahab and pagan Jericho believed that the God of the Jews was the true God of heaven and earth, two messengers were sent to save them from destruction. Remember that? Joshua 2, 8 through 13. Those two messengers came in, saved Rahab. Look what happened. Rahab became the grandmother of, uh, great-grandmother of King David and was in the lineage of Christ. You obey the light that you're given. You turn at reproof when it's given to you, and you obey it, and God will bless you. But if you harden your heart and stiffen your neck and act like a fool and don't listen to instruction or the instructors that God has given you through the Word of God, then it'll be dark, very dark. It doesn't have to be. God's given, left that choice up to you, right? To obey and to ex receive reproof and instruction when it's given. Amen. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, your truth. Amen. Thank you for the words of God. Thank you for the wisdom that you give us. Help us to follow it. Help us to obey you in all things.